0: Welcome to our podcast, where everyone here at AnyData gets to sound off on the latest things happening in the AI and machine learning space, talk about new ways to manage data, and or talk about all the geeky things we love to hate, or is it hate to love? I'm Steve Aberly. Your host, who moonlights, is the chief of products here for Enadata, Be sure to stick around until the end of the podcast, where I always ask our guests' opinion on how close we really are to the AI-induced robot apocalypse. You're listening to Enadata's podcast, Should I Say Thank You to Siri? Ento Edda, CEO of Horizon Global Partners. Is in the chair this week. I've wanted to sit down and record a podcast with Endo for a long time now. Every now and then he says something that sounds really profound. It makes me listen a lot more intently.
1: Understanding, you know, we've come into this computer age of the most complex, you know, algorithms mm-hmm. driving what we do. Right. But there is still some basic fundamental um, uh, components about humanity that we all
0: adhere to that's profound This is, uh, ento i feel like i've pressed the record button by the way we're already recording ento edda is yes, correct is uh, is here with us today he no he possibly said the most profound thing that's ever been said on this podcast thank goodness uh i had the record button going ento is at the forefront of the ai and machine learning groundswell Helping enterprises harness those advancements and apply it against use cases. But I realized I didn't know very much about Ento's history, how he arrived at Horizon Global. He's got an interesting story. Listen in here.
1: Lived in so many different towns, and you talk about the New Yorker versus the guy from DC, but we don't understand how DC shapes you versus how new york shapes you i mean the tall buildings in new york has a big influence in the way you walk in the way you look Mm. in the way you interact with people but you don't pay attention to that
0: wow what does it say about me growing up in a tiny farming town in north dakota i wonder where where did you grow up i started uh,
1: my life actually in cameroon
0: Cameroon. Yes. So okay. I grew
1: up through high school in Cameroon, left Cameroon, came to the United States for college, I went to Wisconsin. So don't ask me why. From Cameroon to Wisconsin. I that,
0: I mean, that, I'm in Minnesota most of the year so. Yeah, but that, equa- half the that, year anyway. that
1: equation from the tropics and then you pick Cameroon to, to, Wisconsin. to Wisconsin. I usually tell people I got lost. My dad picked up picked it for me so it wasn't my choice and okay I had no clue what what wisconsin was so. well, all right so what co- what college in wisconsin i went to uh university of wisconsin university of wisconsin uh, yeah. okay. um, i went to the whitewater campus
0: um again like i said i got lost all right yeah so what kicked this whole conversation off is we were talking about you don't uh, jerry and i always like to talk about the geeky shows that we watch you don't watch a lot of that you're you're more documentary yes this is gonna be very high this is a high brow interview <laughs> and you know what I realized talking to you? Because I, I had no idea that you spent all of your formative years, you know, through 18 or whatever in camera. Yeah. I don't know anything about you until we've been working together for yeah. five, six years, six I want to say. Yeah. Six years we've yeah. known each other. Thanks for coming to sit down uh and chat with us i mean the floor is open uh we can talk about a lot of stuff uh in the enterprise space trying to transition to being an ai driven enterprise what that means are people being successful with that what have you seen but i really now i'm really interested in you just introducing yourself i mean who are you where'd you come from Um, how did you end up here
1: well i mean again my background has been uh an evolutionary story, I mean, I came to this country um, at the age of nineteen, and I came near to study computer engineering, so that's what I went to University of Wisconsin, did management computer sciences and uh but got bored I mean, I was a geek. I yeah. I mean, I still have it in me. I mean, sure. you, you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. That's <laughs> I, I, just... <laughs> every everything leads to codes. Everything leads to some binary <laughs> algorithm. Huh. But um, it's ones and zeros. Yes, yeah. I, I I actually got fascinated with um, business while I started my career. I worked for General Electric Electrics, um, earlier on. Yeah. And um, I saw how they took real-life problems Mm -hmm. and came towards the gigs to really create solutions that would solve those problems, right? Right. From earlier on in my life, I probably was the most confused kid. I wanted to play professional soccer. I wanted to be a doctor at some point. Then I realized I didn't like blood.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I was very good in biology. So I was like, oh, then doctor is it. Then sure. I realized, oh, yeah, you got to be doing with blood. <laughs> I said, okay, this dissection thing, um, not going to be me. Um, But then I, I got fascinated with computers earlier on. In the early age of computing or personal computing, I was lucky to be one of the few kids in probably my town that had a a computer system. Wow. Yeah, I was very lucky. My dad and my cousin who came from England both had computers and both traveled a lot, so it became my toy. I mean, you were not allowed to touch it, but they were not there, so hey. (laughs) So I got to play a lot with the computer, got to learn a lot about it. I actually learned how to program on my own. Because mm. uh, my cousin was a programmer and he used to write code and I would see, he used to write cartoon codes and I'll see, he puts these numbers and then he compiles it and boom, it's an image. So that yeah. fascinated me and that's what brought me into the computer age. But going back to how I came into business was computers were more a fun tool for me. I enjoy playing with them. And that's the geeky side of me. I can play with computers all day, all night. Right. But solving real life problems using computing is what drove me into business.
0: Horizon Global Partners is all about accelerating growth. I ask him what that means. And is there a methodology to growth acceleration? And I ask him how market fit plays into that.
1: Yeah. So right now I run a, um, uh, a growth acceleration firm called Horizon Global Partners. Um, this was born out of our transition with L3. I mm-hmm. mean, I saw a lot of very unique technology companies who come into the big enterprise space and either just fade off or um, literally don't grow and stay like that for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And so I decided... Pretty typical. Yes, I decided to... Well, there was a solution. Right, these companies are very innovative. The founders are usually very creative or have a brighter and beautiful vision. But when they get into the enterprise space, it's very difficult to navigate. Right, and so what we have created is we've created a platform that actually takes the burden off from these companies. We go right from you know strategy. We build a lot of their programs. We help them reshape their pro- products to fit a market or to fit a specific segment of a market. Um, we also help them with back office operations. And then the fun side for what I do is we help them raise capital, right? So, in mm-hmm. most cases, uh, to do what I'm talking about needs capital. And most, 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 most often, we do the customer funded model where we hope that we will make enough profit to reinvest in the business, but we have to leave. And so that really never transitions. Yeah. And so we solve that by actually connecting with the, you know, venture and private equity world to bring capital into very innovative companies or companies with beautiful solutions that do solve real life problems. Most of the creative and smart brains um, work their way from, I've got this creative idea and a creative solution so it solves one problem, but mapping it now to other problems become very difficult. So Mm. what we tend to do is we actually use a problem and then we go, what could solve it? Right. And so, market fit for us has become actually now a very scientific process. Most often, people used to do the try by error. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick this vertical, we're going to try it. No, done, we have done actually, that before. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we actually use a very scientific method where we go through using a problem mapping mm. to a solution set. Right. And so, we would come out with multiple solutions to the same problem. And then we start going based on qualitative analysis or qualitative intelligence. What is the right fit? What percentage of it does it solve? You know, So we, 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 we call it the annoyance uh, table. Give me your 10 things that go into the annoyance table. That's and,
0: interesting. And,
1: and, uh, and so we do that for industries. Like, right. we, we, we would take the insurance industry. We would take the healthcare industry. What are 10 things that would annoy people or what are 10 things that we think don't work? Right. And then we narrow the, them down to real problems and use that to map it to existing solutions
0: ento spends a lot of time shepherding larger enterprises through their efforts to become ai driven he talks here about what that truly means and separating the hyperbole of buzzwords from actual roi
1: it is more human driven initiatives Hmm. right so we look at ai right now we look at it as complex algorithms we look at it as I mean, the first word says artificial. So guess right. what? Mm-hmm. We already have mystified it by thinking about it in that line. Um, I have had to redefine it, and I call it assistive technology. Okay, right. So new term. Um, AI for me, and I tell people, I'm I'm not a fan of buzzwords. Sure. Right, and you you've had me say that before because sometimes it means different things. Mm-hmm. To me, AI is assistive technology. What we as human beings Can do, can a machine do it better, faster, cheaper, more effective? So it's just basically I'm looking for an assistant. The journey for most companies trying to become AI-enabled is basically companies trying to do things cheaper, faster, and better. If you look at it in that framework, you can easily fit yourself in an AI uh, pathway. Most companies are struggling to get onto the AI bandwidth because we have already mystified it by saying it's artificial. Right. And so most of us can't. I mean, I'm not smart enough to be able to work with a lot of things that are artificial or build something. And so we have forgotten to look at if I want to do something faster, cheaper, more effectively using machine power, how do I do it? That is really what AI does.
0: When it comes to kicking off AI initiatives, what typically needs to happen first? Do you hire a bunch of data scientists or applied AI engineers? Take them off other projects? We talk about that here. What is my first step here in this journey? My
1: first step is breaking the problem down to the simplest form in terms of what I'm looking to achieve. Okay. Right? I mean by Step one. Yes. All right. If I if I have my problem set defined back or my process into what a what if scenario. Right. Mm-hmm. And come up with three to five what if scenarios and think big, think bold and just say what if the computer could do this for me? If we were to cut our processes, say we were to cut our processing time by 50 percent, that's think bold. 80 percent. Yeah. Right. What would we need to do to do that? Yeah. And that's how AI gets injected into the real enterprise. Where? It's not by hiring a bunch of data scientists to figure it out, it's actually by putting a problem with a bold initiative behind it, or a big big goal, and say, let the computer solve that for me. But if you start by hiring data scientists and you're trying to get AI into your organization, you get caught up with what the world is trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to find AI already existing solutions that will solve that problem. And that's where most companies are struggling because it's a buzzword. They want to say they have AI, so they hire a data scientist team, they hire a bunch of you know AI um, uh, coders. Mm-hmm. What problem are they solving?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Where do you, Where do you think AI shows the most promise in the enterprise space?
1: The, the key one right now is um, I would say the healthcare. Um, Financial Mm -hmm. services, Mm -hmm. Um, those are the two that I would see the biggest benefit, right? We deal with a lot of data in those two segments. Mm -hmm. AI is built on having an enormous amount of data
0: processing power, an enormous amount of data that you can work off. Of course, I always have to ask my favorite question about how close we are to the AI-induced robot apocalypse, which Ento answers in a very learned way. But I also ask him his perspective on the great AI race happening now between the U.S. and China. <laughs> I, think, I don't think we would ever get there. Okay. I, actually, do you share that sentiment with Jerry, I think.
1: I, 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 think, I think we are smart enough um if you look at it I mean and and going back to me watching documentaries and okay. now this is the connectivity right if you look at it um we have some basic fundamental principles that guide us and, um, you know, I've watched documentaries back in the 17th century. Mm. Um, you know, I've watched a lot of the biblical do- documentaries, just the time of, you know, um, pre-Jesus' time, how human beings operate. That fundamental has not changed till today.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's ingrained in our in the in the DNA. Yes. Right? So yeah. that
1: that is really the basics of humanity, and so that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, we may do some very very advanced things to improve our way of living and operating, but we will not go to the point where we're trying to
0: replace humans with robots. All right, I'm going to add a question here to to the final part of the podcast. The the great ai race who's winning united states or china scary enough i mean um
1: in recent i read a lot about this right mm-hmm. so it's 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 very funny but McKinsey had an article uh two weeks ago i i'm a member of McKinsey quarterly mm-hmm. and i was looking at it so i went on and uh, did some uh, research um,
0: and uh ladies and gentlemen Oscar Wood, CEO of Inundata. Lori Alexander, COO of NN Data, Here with Ento Etta. Hey, I finally got your name correct. There you go. I mean, it just, take, it just took you about uh, seven tries. It's, so. uh, at least, I mean, six. Five, yes, six. You know, you've gotten a, there. Give me a little credit. Uh, Ento was in the middle of talking about who's winning the AI race, China or the U.S.?
1: I, I actually think uh, the Chinese are edging the U.S., and the reason I say that is they have an intentional directional programs okay. in the
0: AI domain. We don't. And it's data, right? I always yes. think it's data. Yes. I mean, the, the the Chinese government can collect whatever they want.
1: Well, it's not uh, the fact that they can collect whatever they want. It's the fact that they're investing in it. We are not. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, I, I look at the flow of money. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. in the venture capitalist space. I I see how how much we invest in the U.S. Funny enough, there are U.S. actual, U.S.-backed firms investing in AI in China and not in the U.S.
0: Wow.
1: All right, so the flow of money tells me who's winning. Um, the amount of, um, you know, new startups that are AI-focused that are opening up in China versus what's happening in the U.S., it's like
0: a 50%. Yeah, someone told me the other day in a, at a venture capital firm out in the valley that there there's one valley in the United States yes. and there's three or four valleys in China. In China. Correct. Right. Yeah, that's so,
1: so, So when you look at the flow of money, U.S. firms actually moving to invest in uh, startups in China, that should be telling you they are leading the way. Yeah. And we are following. In the U.S., we need to have more of an intentional attitude towards the next wave of technology. Mm. Right. Um it is sad because the school system, it starts from homes, the school system, we've become more of a consuming economy than a creating economy. I mean in the national defence space we may still be leading, but time is running out.
0: Wow. Profound a couple of profound things you've said, Ento. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank I appreciate you. Thank it. Thank you for having me. It'll be and, fun. Uh, I'll cut it all together, and it'll yeah. sound really good. It'll <laughs> sound very professional. Well, you're, you're the expert. I promise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you.